0: So well, good morning, good morning. I want to add my uh, happy Father's Day to all you men. Uh, we're, and listen, if, for those of you who are joining us online, thank you for joining us online. Wish you were here because Marvin brought his Harley. When y'all were coming in, did you see that Harley sitting out front? Because I said, listen, at least one day of the year, I want to feel like a man. So Mar, he says, I'll bring my Harley. You can sit on it. Your wife, you can get your picture taken. And, and you can feel like a man, so any of you who want to go outside when our service is over, and he brought his heart, he's like, anybody's welcome, you can sit on it, get your kids around you, or whatever, and have your wife give the, you're never going to get one of those kind of looks, and get your picture taken, and then we have a little gift for you, thank you for being here, happy Father's Day to you, man, I have the greatest father in the world, as I'm sure a lot of you probably believe, you have the greatest father in the world, and so, Uh, Fathers, grandfathers, uncles who are fathers, single mothers who are mothers and fathers. Happy Father's Day, you know, to all of you. May God bless you. So we are in this series called The Gospel. And Casey Nixon, who I just love, did a great job the last two weeks of just introducing how did the whole thing get started. And here is Jesus, this carpenter from Nazareth, and he's got these 12 ordinary young, you know, uh, dropouts who are now going to radicalize the world with the way with what we now call Christianity and then he started last week with the why why is this important why is this why why should we even care he said because God would rather have his son die than live without you he has been running after you ever since the foundation of the world he had you in mind and he wants you in heaven And so, today we're going to be talking about who. Who does the gospel revolve around, and who has always been the question? You know, and so, here's Jesus, and I just chose this one passage of Scripture. Here's Jesus when he said, and and this is in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. He's gone all over the place, and he's just talked to people about the ways, talked to people about God, and he's tried to turn their hearts toward him. And now he's on the way to Jerusalem for the last time, and he knows I'm about to die. And, and I guess it, he just got to the place to where he knew my life is almost over and nobody really understands why I came. Nobody really understands who I am. Even the apostles were really doubting. As you know, they all ran. They couldn't understand it. And this is the place where Jesus asked them this question. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is a highly religious place, He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who has always been the question? Who is Jesus? Who am I? He's asking. And he didn't want to say, who do you think I am first? So he just asked this question generically. Who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street when it comes to me? What is the word on the street when it comes to Jesus? And wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you play, wherever you grew up, whatever you do during the week, are you allowed to talk about Jesus? Is it something that you're just like, you know, I just don't bring that up because I could get fired or people are going to get offended or I don't want to hurt somebody. But who is Jesus? What does our world think about Jesus? And so we just said, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others say, jeremiah or one of the prophets now you need to know this is considered the biggest compliment that they could give to jesus john the baptist considered one of the greatest men ever born of woman out you know outside of jesus christ unbelievable gospel preacher and so herod thought he was such a great man he always believed that his spirit would come back and live in somebody he had john the baptist killed if you remember he beheaded him you know, because he was such a powerful influencer of people. And they're like, well, some say that you, you carry the spirit of John the Baptist, that you are the greatest preacher, the greatest man, the greatest threat to the government that there is. Others said Elijah. Elijah was the greatest prophet. Now, uh, if, if you really want to know what was inside people's mind, the end of what you call your Old Testament, Malachi. The very end of the Old Testament, the last two verses say this. See, and here this is, a, this is a prophecy moving out into the future. And Malachi said, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, you know, when the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And he's like, one day, one day in the future, someone's going to come in the spirit of Elijah. And you're going to recognize him and you're going to know the Messiah is here. And so everybody was looking for the spirit of Elijah. And so when they said, some say that you're Elijah. It had been 400 years since anybody had heard the voice of God. There had been no prophecies for 400 years. And so what they're actually saying is, we have not heard the voice of God, the prophecy of God, the love of God. We've, the voice of God. We have not heard anything from God in 400 years, Jesus, until you came along. And some people say, you are the one prophesied of old, that the Messiah must be near or coming. Some say Elijah or one of the this was the greatest compliment. They could give him. But, it, but that was not still Jesus' question. Jesus' real question was But what about you? What about you? What do you think? Who do you say that I am? And that has always been the question. Because you know that Jesus lived, was crucified rose again and ascended to heaven. You know the story. But has it made its way into your heart? Has it made a difference in your life? This has always been Jesus' question. Do you remember when Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he was with Pilate? And Pilate brought him in into his private chambers, and Pilate looked at him and he said, are you the king of the Jews? You know, remember, he didn't want to make a mistake. He didn't want to suffer for it. He, he was scared. He knew what the mob wanted, and he wanted to give that to them. He was afraid for his job. He was afraid for his life, but he was also afraid that it might be true. And so he said, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Are you asking that question because others want you to, or do you want to know? John 18, 34 and 35 wow, okay, who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter n- never wanted to keep his mouth shut. This is one of his best moments, right? And he said, you're the Messiah, the Messiah. The, some of your Bibles say the Christ. It is, they're, they're both the same word. It means the anointed one, the holy one, the one prophesied, the one sent, the one you're the one, the son of the living God. This is, hu- this is so huge. See, they're in Caesarea Philippi. And if you don't know anything about Caesarea Philippi, this is the place that was one of the most highly religious places in all of the world at the time. They had 14 temples to the Syrian god Baal. Right there in Caesarea Philippi. Around almost every corner you went, there was a temple to the Baal God. All the people around here were a member of some church, some religion. And so Baal, the Baal God, the Syrian, that pagan Baal God, Baal, we was it was everywhere. Not only that, but there was that powerful God, the God of nature, called the Pan God. His name changed a couple of times today. It starts with the B banus. And so you can look it up, but there was a cave, there was a cavern, and you could walk into that cavern, and it was said to be a holy place, you could feel it, and the God of nature was there, and it had deep water, they couldn't find the bottom, and it's said to be the source of the Jordan River, and that came to be, that place came to be the holy place of the God Pan, and that influence was all over that region, If you wanted your crops to be blessed, your family to be blessed, if you wanted to have water, then that was the God that you would run to because there was an endless stream flowing that would give you life. And if that weren't enough, there was on the mountain, on the little hilltop there in Caesarea Philippi, this huge marble temple to the Godhead of Caesar. And it's, you know, like you were to go to India and look at some of these, you know, unbelievable. You know, monuments and buildings and, and it's like this big huge marble temple to the Godhead of Caesar and in that place walks this homeless penniless Galilean carpenter with twelve ordinary men following him while all of the orthodox, high religious people were plotting a way to kill him. And he wanted to know, who do you say that I am? And he expected the son of the living God. And it's just always been the question, who is Jesus to you? And it's almost like Jesus chose this backdrop. It's like against all the world religions, against all the thoughts of man, while everything else in your world is bombarding you with go this way and go this way and find this influence and do this for life and this is where you go to really be happy. Against all of that, Jesus quietly asked, who do you say that I am? So Father's Day is special to me. You know, I listened to some of my old father's recordings on my phone this morning. You know, I miss my father. I'm sure like a bunch of you miss your father. And I was listening to a Jimmy Valvano uh, video this morning where he talked about the greatest gift he ever received. And Jimmy Valvano was a he, he, he's the, the late Jimmy Valvano was a fantastic university basketball coach. In two or three places, he ended up at North Carolina State. And uh, as soon as he became a head coach, he said to his father one day, he said, Dad, listen, Dad, one day I'm gonna win the national championship for NCAA basketball. And his father said, yes, you will, son, and I'm gonna be there. He said, now, you need to know, it took me eight years just to make it to the tournament. You know, the, the top 64 teams. It took me eight years just to get there. And when I finally got there, I got a, we finally got a birth to the NCAA tournament. I called his dad. We got a birth to the NCAA tournament. He said, I'm going to be there. He said, we got beat in the first round. But like typical Italians, we went and celebrated as a family. And he said, no, what typical Italians do is we eat. He said, we start eating around noon. We finish around midnight with about 6 o'clock being halftime. And we just eat the whole time. You know, he's like, we all get together. And it's like, well, it's wonderful. We said, but I but lost in the first round. And then the next year, had another, but lost in the second round. And then the next year, lost again, and then lost again. Finally, we made it to the, to the top 16, the sweet 16. And he lost again. He switches schools. He goes to NCAA State. takes him four more years. He finally gets there, finally makes it to the finals, and he wins the whole thing. He said, he said, when I was at my father's house eight years earlier, when we celebrated that first birth, so it was 16 years He said, I'm at my father's house, we're eating, and my father says, I want you to come up to my room. He said, I felt like I was a young kid, I I felt like I was in trouble. You know, you you don't go to your father's room unless you're in trouble. He said, I went to my dad's room, and he came over and he showed me a bag. And he said, you see that bag, see that suitcase, son? He said, my bag is already packed. When you get to the NCAA finals, I'm going to be there. He said, years later, we finally make it. And I got a picture of my dad after we win the NCAA tournament at half court. You know, he said, you know what the greatest gift my father ever gave me was? He believed in me. He believed in me. His bags were already packed. He knew I could do it before I knew I could do it. Through all my junk, through all my mistakes, through all my misery, through all my failures, through all the stuff that I did where I was so embarrassed, so ashamed, my father never stopped believing in me. It's the greatest gift dads we can give our kids. I believe in you. You're going to do it, and I'm going to be there. We're going to celebrate together. He said, today, my dad is in heaven Talking with somebody Italian. (laughs) Eating eating some great food. And I just want to tell my dad, my bags are packed. One day I'm going to be there with you. Happy Father's Day. But who is Jesus to you? His bags are packed. He has gone and prepared a place for you in heaven. And he's waiting on you. And he believes in you. And by the time you get to the book of Ephesians, Paul is just talking about how much Jesus loves us and how much your father loves you. And how he can't stand. He's just waiting for you to get to heaven. And he's like, I know it's tough. So in Ephesians chapter 1, he said, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. This is a very important passage because Paul is coming in and saying, for, for so long you've been looking for a loving father. Somebody who would love you and pours grace out on you and forgive you and believe in you. And you Jews missed it for a long time. It was all about you got to do this or you won't measure up. And you bring in this burden of you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And you Gentiles have always been left out. You were never invited into the kingdom of God. You were told you weren't born into the right family. The skin color that you carry is not the right one. And you've always been abandoned. Abandoned. And Paul is like, God changes all of that. It's not about how you were born or what the color of your skin is or what the nationality is or whether you're male or female. Because all of the females at that time had no voice. And so Paul is like, God is changing everything. It's now completely upside down. Everything has changed because, all praise to God... The father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He now turns his heart and is like I want you to know how much your father believes in you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you could have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God is blessing you. But part of that blessing is the open seat waiting for you in the kingdom of God. Because we are united with Christ. Christ. Because Jesus is your brother. Because he stands in front of you. If this is my life and I'm standing in front of God and God's looking at me and I'm like, you know what? I am one messed up dude. And God is like, I don't even see you because my son is standing in front of you. And I so delight in Jesus. You get credit for his life. And we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because you're united with Christ who is Jesus to you. And he goes on, even before he made the world, God loved us. Have you ever been loved with an eternal, unconditional love? It's just something that nobody, it's just too few of us ever experienced, that kind of love. And he chose us. It's like, you know, what's it like to be left out? What's it like to be not chosen? But he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault, and I'm I'm not holy, there's nothing about me that's holy, and I'm not without fault, my goodness, just follow me one day, and I won't get to breakfast before you're like, okay, well, I saw that, I heard you think that, I saw that, I just, but it's not that I'm not holy and without fault, I am, I'm not holy, and I got so many faults, you couldn't count them, but that's not the question. The question is, what are you in his eyes? Because in the eyes of God, you're already forgiven. You're holy and without fault. And he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. You are a part of the family of God. And he's going to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love this line. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. It gives God great pleasure. He is so delighted in you. And he can't wait. He can't wait till you join him in heaven. Who is Jesus to you? And it gave him all this great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is rich in kindness and grace. And he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. And he forgave our sins. Amen. He has showered his kindness on us. Along with all wisdom and understanding. He's like, I want, I want you to know that your God is a gentle God. I am gentle. And when you mess up, and you will mess up. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to treat you kindly through the process It doesn't mean that discipline isn't meant to change you. Discipline is meant to change us. But it doesn't interrupt the fact that you're not on the way to heaven. And I don't know, but maybe some of you today believe you're not good enough for heaven. You're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for all this grace that he wants to lavish and pour out on you. But that's not the question. Here's the question. Who is Jesus to you because he has taken all of that on himself and it's his free gift to you with all wisdom and understanding. Now, if there wasn't, before I show you this, if there wasn't a Jesus, if there wasn't a God who lavished all of that on you, how would that verse of scripture be rewritten? If Jesus had never come and given his life for you, if God your Father, Did not love you. Did not care about you. How would that verse of scripture be written? So I just sat down and rewrote it just so I could feel exactly what those verses were saying to me. Without Jesus. This is just my words. This is not Bible, right? Without Jesus, there is no blessing on your life. And you are separated from God. You are at a place where nobody cares about you And you are left out. You are seen as damaged goods. Guilty and full of shame. And guilt. God does not want you in his family. And he harshly judges your every move. You are forever enslaved and unforgiven. You can expect that there will be no kindness shown you. for your foolish decisions just keep piling up. For you there will be no successful future. Without Jesus, that's my life. And so I identify wholeheartedly with Paul. When he was going through who he was, and it's recorded for you in the the book of Romans. And Paul is like, man, I look at my life, and he said, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he said, thank God, the answer is is in Jesus Christ our Lord who is Jesus to you happy Father's Day and you can rejoice and you can you can love life because there was a man named Jesus Christ the Son of God who left heaven came to earth took your sin nailed it to a tree and set you free That's who the gospel is all about. And so today, you get to make a decision. Will I give my life to Jesus? Will I let him pour out and lavish his grace on me? And as you exit, before you sit on the Harley, thank you, Marv, before you get your picture taken, before you go to lunch, would you do me a favor? Would you pause outside and take the cup and the, and the bread, I know it tastes like paper. <laughs> right? That's not the point. The point is not the way it tastes. The point is what it took to set you free. And that, that little wafer, it tastes better if you dip it in the wine, the juice is Jesus' body, just the representative of Jesus' body that hung on a cross. And that little cup of juice represents that blood that set you free. And would you just take one and stop and pause and look up to heaven and say, Thank you for loving me. Let's pray. Lord God, you set us free. You forgave our sin. You are the Son of God, and God, we are delighted that you are delighted in us. There's no place else we'd rather be. Thank you for your unfailing love, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.